Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I'm so glad you've chosen today to tune in to hear what God is speaking to our congregation, and I hope it speaks to you as well. At the first of the year, we started a series looking at the word God spoke to us as our foundation for the year, and that word was manifestation. Here, halfway through the year, we've decided to go back and look at that word. So here we are again, looking at the series, Manifestation. I hope you enjoy. God bless. I am thinking of how life can be sometimes. You ever find yourself in a situation where turmoil's around, you're not sleeping well at night, it seems like in all of your efforts, God seems to be absent I want to talk to you today a little bit about manifestation and my personal manifestation. I don't mean my personal, but making it personal. I want to give you today a few observations about having a personal manifestation of God that is not tied to your circumstances, that is tied to His goodness. I want to remind you that God is good. God is always, always available. He moves on our behalf. He intervenes every opportunity we give Him. And He's not waiting for our hearts to be right. He's just waiting for our hearts to be in the right place. And it's amazing that when He moves, our hearts do become right. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time today in Acts chapter 12. This is an interesting story because Peter finds himself, of course, we know him as being the bold one, the faithful one, after he got his stuff together. This is the one that walks on water. This is one that preaches a bold sermon after Pentecost and 3,000 people, or is it 5,000, get saved. The church is birthed. He's a man that walks in power. He's the one that... Uh, knows whose he is and what God can do through him. But all of a sudden, he finds himself chained up in prison, and the one he went into prison with has been beheaded. Now, on the surface, to me, it appears that we've got a man that is living his life right for God. Why hasn't God delivered him? Why couldn't he have kept him from going into those chains? Why couldn't God have kept my loved one from being killed or being molested or whatever? Why couldn't have God intervened on their behalf or my behalf? Am I living in sin? Am I... No. God often waits for the best opportunities to show off. And He's not mean that He would put us through certain things, but I've said it over and over and over and over, and I'll say it again, God is an opportunist. He takes every opportunity He can. So here we've got Peter, and in Acts chapter 12, verse 1, 
says, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. That doesn't sound very favorable, does it? Violent hands upon those who belong to the church. So much in verse 2, it says, He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Now, this wouldn't be he went and struck him in the heart or stabbed him in the side. He cut his head off. He decapitated this man with a sword. It's a very brutal and terrible thing. Then in verse 3, he saw that it pleased the Jews. He proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. So all of a sudden he sees that these people that even though they think they might be worshiping the same God, they're diametrically opposed to those that call themselves the way. They're so opposed to these people that are preaching Jesus that at all costs they want them dead. They want this new religion that has been formed, so to speak, to be annihilated, never to expand beyond their current grasp, only today we find out that as the Word of God says that the gates of hell will not prevail against this church, even thousands of years later, the church is growing, should be growing in certain parts, and is strong, and is definitely an institution, but it is an institution, if done right, that will prevail until the coming of Jesus Christ. It goes on in verse 4, and it says, when he had seized him, Herod, seizing Peter, He put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. Check this out. But earnest prayer for him was being made to God by the church. I could spend today's whole message looking at that one phrase. Prayer for him was made to God by the church. Talk about the significance and the importance of a community called church and how together there's a a power and an anointing upon the words we come to declare over other people in the name of Jesus to see manifestation in their lives, to see an impact in their lives for what God wants to do through them. It's important that we are gathered in a body together where we can lift each other up and watch God move on each other's behalf. This is now when Herod was about to bring him out. On that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, two, two soldiers, bound with two chains and centuries before the door were guarding the person. So what we've got here is we've got a picture of about 12 guards guarding this one man. It's one thing to think that there were a couple of guards sleeping heavily. We've got 12, approximately 12 guards with the sole purpose of keeping Peter in prison. 12 guards. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. I love it when the presence of God shows up and light appears. I think one of these days we're going to be worshiping together, Alana, and something's going to happen in this place and we're going to have to put on our sunglasses. I believe it. I believe there's going to be a manifestation beyond this kind of lighting that's going to blow our minds what God can do. Because when He shows up so many times throughout Scripture, light happens. Oh, Jesus, let that be. Bring it, bring it, bring it. And then it says He struck. I want you, if you have Bibles or whatever, if you write in anything, if you're able to take notes, I want you to circle or pay attention to that word, struck, Peter. 
We're going to come back to it in just a minute. But he struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And when he had followed him, he did not know what was being done by the angel, if it was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading to the city, and it opened for them on its own accord. Just kind of hear that. Open it up, but it opened on its own. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went into the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And he knocked on the door of the gateway, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying, it's his, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. When they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But morning, but motioning, golly, to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and, the, and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now, when the day came, there was little There was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the centuries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea, and he spent time there. Verse 20, it says, Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their county country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointment by an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, "The voice of a god and not of man!" And immediately the angel of the Lord struck him down. I want you to pay attention to that word "struck," because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied, and bar. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. It's interesting, I'm gonna, before I get to my observations, I want to talk about that word strike or struck or smote, according to the old King James. Smote. This is a word, um, it's potasso, potasso. It's to strike gently as part of a member of the body, to stroke, smite with the sword, to afflict, to visit with evils, etc., as with a deadly disease, to smite down, cut down, to kill, to slay. It's a very strong word, is it not? We've got this picture here where Herod has accepted the praises of the people as they've shouted out the voice of a God and not of a man, and Herod has just received the praises of the other people. And it says, and immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down and the the description here and he did not give the glory give god the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last what a 
gruesome depiction here of what happens. But what's really, really interesting is that word there, atasso, is the exact same word of when Peter was struck while he was sleeping in prison. I think it's interesting that when we access the presence of God and when He shows up to get our attention, there are two ways in which the same approach He comes to us can affect us. We can either be His and find deliverance, or we can reject Him and find our death. The Bible says very clearly that the wages of sin is death. Isn't it interesting that we've got the same scenario here that an angel of the Lord struck him just as he struck Peter, but we have completely different outcomes to the striking that takes place. And that same word, which is really quite interesting, is the same one we see in Matthew 26, 31. And listen to these words. It says, then Jesus said to them, you will fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be Scattered. You see, what he's describing there is he's going to be struck with your sin, and your sickness, and your pain, and your sorrow. And he's going to take it to the cross as a final lasting sacrifice. The same word occurrence of what happens to Jesus for us happened to Herod, which struck him down, and happened to Peter, which brought about his awakening. To deliverance, And I pray in this place today that if God shows up or when he shows up, that he might strike you to a point of deliverance, not strike you to a point of death. I think it all has to do with how we respond. Do we respond like Satan and say, hey, I want all the glory. I want everything. Or do we respond like Peter and say to him be all the glory? Do we respond in a way in which we reflect the goodness of God back out? Or do we keep it to ourselves? You see, that's what the church needs to be doing more and more every day, is reflecting back to the people the glory of God in which we encounter on a daily basis instead of keeping to ourselves that which we think is good. In turn, all we're doing is we're becoming a spoiled, stagnant, rotten mess. Matter of fact, I was just at a house this last week. Got a phone call. Woman was, hadn't been seen in a few days in her 80s, thought she might be dead. So we go to check on her, and as we approach the house, I've, I don't know if you've ever smelled death, but it has a very distinct odor. As we began to walk up to the house, we had that smell in the air. As we approached, there was garbage on either side of her pickup truck parked in the driveway. And I apologize in advance for how gruesome and graphic this is. And there were maggots crawling around. And who knows what was in there. And there was dog feces so high that you could not escape walking through it. As you walked up to the front door, you got that whiff. And we knocked, we banged, and we yelled, and we even tried to pushed the door open, thinking that when we walked into the room, we would find this woman dead. But a little bit later, as we knocked, as we went around the backside of the house, trying to find some kind of arousal in the place, all of a sudden this woman gets up. She walks to the door. Living in this stench, in this filth, and in this nastiness that smelt like death, we discovered that she was not 
But I think as I tried to say so uneloquently a few weeks ago, that the church, I think, as a, as a whole, has been guilty of being like this, becoming a stench and a stank, and, a, and we've become not something of life-giving, but people walk in and they begin to not be convicted of their sins, but condemned of their actions to the point that they don't want change at all. All that they want is to no longer step foot in that place again. And God help us as a church. If Word of Life Miami ever becomes that church that people walk in and feel condemned for who they have been. Listen, when people walk in these doors and they don't know Jesus, they're going to naturally sin. Sinners sin. Why are we surprised by that? It is in their nature. But when they walk in these doors and they encounter the presence of God, do they have an issue where they can be struck to come to life? Or are they going to just find putrid stank and death and go back in their various same ways of life because we didn't do our jobs in reflecting the glory of God back? See, it's high time that we become a church that reflects the glory of God that reflects his goodness, that when people see us, they don't see our flesh. They don't see our problems. What they see is they see the glory of God that we have been in the very presence of manifesting back for them. That's what this church needs to be. A direct reflection of Jesus Christ. So I want to look at a few observations today about a personal manifestation a personal manifestation from this story about Peter and his uh, deliverance from captivity, from uh, probably his uh, absolute death that would have come right after Passover. Four observations about personal manifestation. When we open the story, we see that it said when Herod was about to bring him out that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. And it comes to a point where my first observation is this. Your circumstances don't hinder your manifestation. Your circumstances don't hinder your manifestation. And what I mean by that is here we've got Peter and he's chained among two guards on either side. There's a total of 12 completely guarding the place. He has just heard word of one of his companions being beheaded. We have got a scenario in which to all Practical purposes would be an end of everything. There seems to be no viable option for his deliverance. I can only imagine that that he's down in some dungeons or in the, the prison setup. Probably wasn't like staying at the Hilton. I imagine that there was stank in that place too. And... I wonder in our own lives if we think that the stank that we're living in is hindering God from wanting to reveal who he is to us. You see, God is always wanting to reveal who he is. He's always wanting to manifest his goodness to us. And we need to be willing and open to receive that. But we oftentimes in our current situation reject that God is pouring out to us because we through our circumstances that we put ourselves in feel like we are not worthy to receive the manifestation that God wants to pour upon us knowing that even if we were perfectly perfect on this earth without Him, we are still not good enough to receive the manifestation which He has for us. 
It goes back to that. He's not looking for a condition of the heart. He's looking for a position of the heart. And I can guarantee that when your heart is positioned to receive a manifestation from God, the condition of your heart will change. When perspective changes, when you begin to see how big and glorious and amazing God is, all of a sudden the sin that you tend to turn to no longer seems relevant or enticing because the presence of God is what entices us. I pray that in this place today, he is enticing us into an encounter with him. And we look at him and say, God, nothing I am is worthy, but everything you are is worthy. And I will come to you as you made me. You see, your circumstances don't hinder your manifestation. And I even think about from uh, great sickness to mild headaches, the manifestation is present for us in this place. From a dramatic need of rescue because of my financial stupidity to him being able to deliver just because I need an extra gallon of milk this week, God is able to deliver in our place. The manifestation is ready to be poured out on you and you could be in the depths of prison or walking in freedom like the second chapter of Acts when the Holy Spirit is poured out. But either way, there's a manifestation for you. You don't deserve it, but he loves you and he wants to do that. So in verse 7, it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone on the cell, and he struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his, half, uh, off his hands. You see, observation number two, have peace, knowing manifestation is coming thing that really uh, struck me when I was looking at this and really contemplating, God, what do you want to say through this? Is Peter was sleeping. You know, Peter was sleeping. He was facing torture, mutilation, and, and, and definite death. He was in a place of discomfort. He wasn't sleeping on his memory foam blanket or, or mattress. He, he didn't have blankets. As a matter of fact, we read in the story that he had, was wearing very little because the angel told him to get dressed. He was not comfortable. But he had peace. And he was sleeping. He was sleeping even though his death was tomorrow. I would ask you in this place today, are you at peace with your Creator so that no matter what circumstances are before you, are you able to sleep? When you go to bed at night, is your heart right with God and with the relationships that you have? The Bible says very clearly, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Make things right. But have peace, knowing your manifestation is coming. But this is the same Peter that was on a boat about to be capsized when he looked and found his Savior sleeping. We read this in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, and it says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and, the boats were, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion, he being Jesus. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm and he said to them, when, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, Peter had a 
definite encounter with God. He had seen God move. He had seen Jesus in this encounter. He was also in another scenario where a a mighty storm came in and he saw Jesus walking to him on the water. We know that Peter understands the significance of the intervention of God in his life to the point at this moment where he is able to sleep, even facing sudden or certain death. Judas Smith preached a series a couple of years ago and wrote a book talking about how is your soul? How is your soul? And I just wonder if our soul is right, if our heart's right, if our conscience is in a good state, then maybe our peace would elevate in our lives. But you see, the best way to have peace is to trust in the one who gives peace to trust in the one who will deliver, to trust in the one who has made it clear that he can sleep through a storm knowing that sudden death will not come to him. And you can sleep in your prison knowing that deliverance is just around the corner. Can you sleep in these chains he's asking today? In verse 8 in chapter 12 of Acts, he says, And the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and he did not know what was being done by the angel, if it was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them on its own accord, and they went out and went along the street, and then immediately the angel left him. Now, this is how I typically prepare some of these messages. You need to have an insight. I read through the scripture, and I try to find just breaks in thought or theme or idea. And I just make a line. I print off out the scripture. I make a line. I think, okay, God, what are you speaking in this section? What are you speaking in this section? Sometimes he, he did to me yesterday. He had me expand some sections and shorten some sections because as I read into it a little more, I saw how they were connected a little more differently. But initially that's how I do that. And I think, God, what are you saying in this little section? And initially, as I was looking at these three verses, I was looking at it and I was going, God, what are you saying? And I thought maybe it was that uh, you must, see, it's already left me, but initially, see, that point is is a moot point, but it was kind of this, you've got to perform in the manifestation at some point. And I thought, no, that doesn't work. And, And really what he said very clearly to me in this moment, he says, you must walk out your manifestation. You see, the angel said, get up. And he got up and the chains fell off. And the angel said, get dressed. And he got dressed. And all the while, he's still in prison. And then they said, began to walk. And I can only imagine that Peter might have been looking to his right and to his left saying, oh, don't touch. I can see the cartoon of the, the mouse and the cat walking around. And, and I wonder if he was like, if I sneeze or what if I accidentally bump somebody and wake them up? But the whole time, he is following instruction by instruction. And I'm going to tell you that God is going to say to you, I need you to take this little step. And you may not see the big miracle, but you've got to take the little step. And he's going to say, now, I want you to dress for what I'm about to do. And you've got to take that step. And you're not going to be walking in your miracle yet. And then he's going to say, follow me. And all of a sudden, the doors are going to swing wide and you're going to walk into your deliverance. 
so you must walk out your manifestations. Why? When I pray for somebody that has a hurt back, a hurt shoulder or something, if there's restriction in your life and I pray for you, I ask you, do something you couldn't do before because I want your faith to come in contact with the reality of the manifestation, manifestation of healing in your life. As they collide, oftentimes the miracle then happens. But it doesn't always happen until you step out in faith. You see, had Peter stayed chained because he stayed asleep, because he stayed unaware of the move of God, if Peter hadn't gotten up and gotten dressed, the miracle would have never been for him. You must walk out your manifestation. In verse 11, it says, Then Peter came to himself and he says, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered and were praying. And when he knocked on the door of the gateway of a a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer him, recognizing Peter's voice in her Joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported to Peter that Peter was standing outside the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it's his angel. Peter continued knocking. And then they opened and they saw him and were amazed. And that leads me to my fourth observation today. We all join in the excitement and celebration of your manifestation. How cool is that? What God does in your life is not just for you. People have said oftentimes that I don't share my faith, I don't pray in public, I don't do things because what I have is very personal. And you should have a very personal walk with God, but what you have with God should be very open and expressive and seen. And what God does for you is for us all. I love, we, uh, I grew up in a church with Y'all remember just a few weeks ago when we had Pastor Phil here with us. Um, I grew up in a church with him where we would do this thing called presbytery. And what that was is every year we'd have a conference. We'd bring in men of God that uh, could uh, work very well in the prophetic. And we'd bring families up after preparation and teaching and understanding of what was about to happen. And they would lay hands on these people. And then they would begin to speak prophetic words over their lives and, and declare the goodness of God and what he was planning to do through them as a mode of confirmation to what was already in their hearts. And what was really powerful about that is somebody might come up and be in prayed for, and as they were being prophesied over, what was being spoken to them affected the church also. We all shared in the excitement and the celebration of what God was doing. If you receive a healing, we all are encouraged by it. All of our faith gets built up. All of us get excited and celebrate with you. When you have a big win financially and you share with us what's going on, we all get excited. We all celebrate. That's the point of this community. That's the point of this family. And can you imagine if week after week after week, if we get testimony after testimony of the moving of God within the people of Word of Life Miami to the point that we just get to the, that place where I don't just expect that you're going to see from God. I don't just expect that you're going to experience a manifestation. I'm going to experience a manifestation. And together we grow in leaps and bounds with excitement and celebration for the manifestation that God wants to play out in your life. And my question is, what is the manifestation that you need in your life right now? Do you need a healing in your life? Do you need a financial breakthrough? What is it? 
Do you need wisdom over a certain set of circumstances? Or do you just need a basic or a powerful outpouring of the presence of God in your life where he shows up in such a real way that you say, you are. He says, I am. And you say, you are. The bottom line is we all are called to experience an encounter with God. We all can walk in his deliverance. We all can encounter healing in our lives. It's, we don't have to be afraid. We can walk into it in peace. We put the slide up that's got all four points. Oh, it's there. Good. So in recapping, your circumstances, they don't hinder your manifestation. Sometimes your circumstances enhance your manifestation, right? Think about that. Have peace knowing your manifestation is coming. You must walk out your manifestation. Walk into it. See it happen in your life. Step out in faith. See the boldness of that play out in your life. Because we also know that James tells us the significance of faith and works going hand in hand. As a matter of fact, James 1. I believe it's James 1. Oh, Jesus, let me go to the right scripture quickly. It says here in James 1, 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And then it says, comma, deceiving yourself. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. See, we've got to be doers of what we hear as well. You must walk out your manifestation. I can think of stories where people were healed, claimed it and walked out and began to experience the symptoms of their ailment again. So they began to claim it back and began to say that didn't happen. Got to walk it out. And the last point again, we all join in the excitement and celebration of your manifestation. Can you imagine the atmosphere and how charged it would be if the first thing we saw was a video or somebody coming up and just testifying about what God has done for them this week? And then we go into declaring how good God is. That would be so cool. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. And more than that, I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you to be able to testify of the goodness of God. Because we all experience a manifestation in our lives. Amen. 
Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's challenged you and enriched your life. I hope it's helping you live a life closer to service with Jesus Christ. Hey, if it's done anything for you today, if it's meant anything, we could use your support. And there's several ways you can do that. First off, you can pray for us. Pray as we're doing our church plant here in northeastern Oklahoma that God is totally blessing all of our efforts. But also in the area of support, if you want to give financially to what we're doing, you can go to our website at WLMiama. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I dot com and click on the give tab and go through the process there to contribute. And also, if you are in the area near Miami, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning, why don't you join us for our live experience at 10 a.m.? We'd love to see you. God bless.